right, guys, and welcome back to Real Talk Sports with Rico. Today, I will be your host. Today's show, we are actually exclusively talking about the NCAA basketball tournament here. Um, so definitely wanted to go ahead and make this the point of emphasis for the show. Before we actually jump into the content here, let me go ahead and first and foremost thank our sponsors out there for putting sponsorship on the show. And also the fans out there who have actually listened to us on a week-to-week basis here to help us drive content to the show. And lastly, I want to go ahead and thank our platforms here. First and foremost, starting with Anchor, who is actually now the Spotify uh, podcast uh, official title now, I believe. And then next up, YouTube, actually, you can check out the video podcast, which actually does uh, air there on YouTube. It is a slightly different show. We do add a little bit more content there to go along with the visuals. So make sure you check out Real Talk Sports with Rico on YouTube there as well. So let's go ahead and jump into the content here, guys. And that is the NCAA basketball tournament. Absolutely one of my most favorite times of the year i don't know about you guys but it's something about going out there and filling out my bracket here and seeing what the actual results are in the games it is absolute march madness and the thing that i love about this thing is that um you know hey it's basketball there is not a seven game series and this is a one and done situation here which means that you only have to beat the team once so you've got to rise to the occasion that one time it doesn't matter what the resume is of the other team um, there are tons of upsets every year which we will talk about here uh, coming up here shortly so let us go ahead and jump into it man and let me go ahead and actually bring up the bracket here starting with the south and i'm essentially going to go down to region by region and just kind of briefly highlight some of the games that kind of stood out to me and why be talking about that a little bit here so um let's start here with the south uh so the number one seed here is alabama I got a chance to watch Alabama a lot in the SEC tournament here, and mainly I got a chance to look at Brandon Miller here. Um, This guy is an absolute stud here. He certainly would be the number one pick in the draft if it were not for the guy that I believe that's coming out of France this year, but uh, man, he's been terrific here. And the one thing that I love about Alabama here is they have so much length, and they really you up from a lean standpoint I mean they have bigs that are elite that can go out and not only bang with you on the box but they're able to shoot the ball you look at they have Noah Clowney out here he's a pretty big guy here um, you have uh, Javon Kernley I am pretty much surely I just ruined his name but uh, the young man that came out of New Jersey here tough guard here Um, I like the way he's played and I love his story as well I believe he came over from Villanova after actually tearing up his knee I think in last year's um, tournament I believe that's what the story is but he was able to rehab and come back not a lot of uh, he didn't even think he was going to be able to play the way that he's played but he's been fabulous to go along with Brandon Miller here um, you have uh, Charles Bedko he's played very well he had 15 and 8 in their first game as well We're talking about that size being able to shoot the ball as well and you know again man I, I think that uh, you know 
Alabama does a terrific job, again, in using their length, and they really turn the game into a track meet. I will say that with Coach Oates, uh, they go out there, they look to speed you up, they look to get you into their temple, and I think that they looked every bit of the part here, the first two rounds here, as they took out uh, Texas A&M, the CC Islanders there in the first game, and then they came back and knocked off a tough gritty Maryland team uh, to win 73 to 51 they were able to pull away here in the second half I think the key was they were able to actually get Maryland into some foul trouble and that was the difference here and truth be told I have picked Alabama to actually be in the national championship game I think it's one of the best teams in college basketball here we'll see what they do here in the sweet 16 is obviously they have to play San Diego State. Uh, next up here, let's talk about San Diego State here. So San Diego State, I, I didn't have them picked uh, past the second round here. I, I thought that they would be eliminated here by the field of 32. But San Diego has done a terrific job. Again, I, I think the one thing with them that stands out to me is they have been able to knock down a lot of three-point shots and, and more or less I think the one thing that they've been able to do for the most part is they've been efficient I think scoring inside with the Aztecs here they were the fifth seed coming into this thing uh, they knocked off Charleston here in the first round and then they came back here and knocked off uh, Foreman in the next round we'll talk about that one that was a wild game here but the one guy that has really stood out for me has been Keyshad Johnson, the way he's been able to get to the lane and make things happen here. You had Matt Bradley who showed up in game one with the 17.7 rebounds and four assists here. And the one thing that I love about the tournament is the fact that you need guys to kind of step up and do things that they haven't done uh, the, for the entirety of the year. I remember I used to talk to uh, one of my friends that uh, actually we went to school together and we would always laugh about the fact that when it came down to tournament time, we couldn't understand why guys could average four or five points and then all of a sudden here, they go off for you know 20 points for about four or five games or so. And it's something about being in that moment. You know, even just highlighting here, Matt Bradley, um, you know, a kid who is from San Bernardino out here in California, you know, he averages 13 points and he had 20 here in the first game. And that's exactly what I'm talking about with uh, SDSU, the ability, man, to go out there and make plays here. And I love it, man. I, I love this. You know, when I look at their stat sheet, they did a terrific job, like I said, as far as getting guys into um you know just really some serviceable matchups here and being able to take advantage here the first two rounds here and get some things done next up man talking about their second round a beat down here of Furman you gotta take your hats off to Furman here played their way into the tournament here as a 13 seed knocking off Virginia here who was a four seed 68 to 67 I think it was certainly the first big upset in round one. And the one thing that you take away in that particular contest and really what I think makes the tournament unique again is that I just talked about it at the top of the show where it's only one game that you have to win. It's not a seven game series. And everything on paper suggested 
that Virginia should, in fact, win this basketball game. But the one thing that went against Virginia, I think that would probably hinder them, I think, throughout the tournament if they were still playing, is their style of play. Because they play so slow and because it is uh, a a bit of a half-court game for Virginia, you're never really out of the game as long as you can stay mentally tough. And I think that that's the one thing that happens when you look at these upsets. You have to stay mentally tough. And when I say mentally tough, there are times where you're going to be down in games and you're going to be down by, you know, seven, you know, eight points, whatever that may look like. But it is the ability to stay with it, man, and really stay connected. And that is really the difference in the game. Because when you look at the statistics here, um, the total here, Virginia essentially out-rebounded Furman here. They also did a, a lot better job as far as blocking shots. So their length really affected them as well. But the bottom line is that, you know, Furman stayed true and they caused a major turnover with just a couple seconds to go. I mean, if you were looking at this game here, um, essentially what it came down to is that Virginia had the basketball with, I think, about five seconds to go. And then uh, Kihi Clark, which is a terrific basketball player here for Virginia, terrific guard, Um, got trapped he had a timeout in his pocket either just forgot about it or whatever the case may be but he got trapped and he tossed the ball up into the air and essentially when you look at the play he had a teammate that was streaking wide open and if he could have got it to him essentially would have been a layup and it would have been a game over but the fact that he was being trapped and he essentially almost threw it, he threw it towards the, the midcourt line, it got intercepted, and then immediately Furman threw it ahead for a three-pointer that essentially decided the contest. It was such a tough situation because once Virginia turned the basketball over at that point in time, they were not able to get back into a set defense. They were in a scramble mode. A guy who had essentially not hit a shot all day hit the jumper which counted the most and that is what March Madness is all about and that is why Furman went on to the second round meanwhile Virginia got eliminated there in a tough upset but you got to give them credit again because everything on paper says that Virginia here should have been ahead Um, I got a chance to watch them in the ACC championship game they looked terrific they looked every bit of the part I had that team going pretty far, Uh, but you got to give Furman some credit. I think that this was another big game here in the South region. Um, Another really shocking, I guess, development here in the South region is Princeton. How about what Princeton has been able to do here? Princeton starts off here as a 13 seed, knocking off Arizona, and all they did was hold tough in that one. You know, Arizona coming into this thing, the one thing about Arizona is they've always played well throughout the year, and this is what happened to them last year, but they come into the tournament usually injured and also, too, um, you know, a bit stagnated from the way they started the year. So I, I just feel like if Arizona could possibly bottle up that energy that they had at the start of the year and bring it into March, 
um, you know, they'd be in some great situations, man. But I think by the time that they get there, you know, you, you've got to play your best games out there to, to advance in the tournament. And I think Arizona just got caught in a, in a tough situation, not taking anything away from Princeton. But, you know, I think Arizona definitely should have advanced in this one. And the one thing that I will say about the Princeton Tigers that I love is that they have the young man uh, that's come over from overseas here, the forward. Uh, he's played tremendous here. He had 15 points in this one, 15, 7, 4, and 1, and 1 block as well. They're big man. You have to look up his name there. I don't want to butcher it, but, you know, they did a nice little piece about him throughout the game. They've also advanced here in another round. But Princeton has done a great job in really gutting you from the inside out. And what I mean by that is they've gone with their stud here, their forward and center, and really worked through him. And that's really caused the defenses to collapse a lot because he's really going into the interior and carving you up. But on that side, too, you got guys like Ryan Landberg and, you know, you got Blake Peters, these guys out here at the guard position who are knocking down three-point shots and very effective. You know, they're sitting out here going three for three, four for four. You're getting four or five guys who are knocking down shots like that, you know, three and three, four for four. That starts to add up, you know, because as we see in the NBA game, the great equalizer has been the three-point shot. And that's one thing we will talk about here in the tournament is that we're going to talk about another game. It doesn't matter necessarily what you have on paper as far as size. If you can shoot the basketball well and you can really uh, get the other team into some foul trouble, that's another way you can advance here. And that is exactly what Princeton has been able to do throughout the first couple rounds here. They've been able to carve people up from the inside out. And they're knocking down shots, man. They're knocking down shots. They did a great job knocking down shots against Arizona. Um, you know, I thought that they did a terrific job in taking away Arizona's size differential here. Um, you know, you look at the fact that, uh, man, I, I'm trying to think. Their star kid, I think he only had, I think, I think he only had like 13 points or something like that. And it got to a point, man, where essentially the defense of Princeton essentially took away Arizona's interior their guards didn't play well enough when you look at Kerr and these guys like that who was coming in injured with an injured shoulder they just didn't shoot the ball well so once their their biggest uh, asset which was Hyfe was taken away from them because of the just uh, I, I, I wouldn't say it, it was just a frantic defense that Princeton kept basically throwing at Arizona much like what got Purdue it, it was more like man they were starting to front guys you had guards that essentially were coming in from all different angles making it difficult for guys to get you know their turnaround shots and feel comfortable there once Arizona got uncomfortable there and then they got to a situation where they were unable to shoot the ball from the outside. That's where Princeton kind of got them there. And it's, it's a tough out, man, because like I said, I thought Arizona was a lot better than what they showed there against Princeton. I thought that they should have gotten past Princeton. But hey, man, this is why you play the game here. And then Princeton comes back and takes care of Missouri here. So quad is this kept, man. A 15 seed is now in the Sweet 16 here. Um, 
So moving forward here now, looking over at the Midwest division, uh, I will say starting here, the one thing that I would say is that Houston is um, who we thought they were. I had Houston picked pretty far in this one so far. I know that they were coming in with the injuries and it didn't look good there for a minute because you look at the fact that, uh, uh, what's his name, Seltzer or, yeah, was coming into the game with an injury with the quad strain, I believe. So you had him coming in with an injury and then later after their first round win, you had uh, Marcus Sheed, uh, their star point guard, with a knee injury as well. And so, you know, when I look at Houston, I was like, man, you know, it's going to be tough for them to overcome Marcus Sizer uh, yeah, with the injured groin. And then you also had um, Sheed coming in with a bad knee. I was like, man, it's going to be tough for Houston to advance because they're very guard-oriented. Um, you know, these are guards that have been pretty much their foundational piece over the last couple of years. But, <clears throat> excuse me, they were able to overcome that. You know, both of their games were tough starts. I think uh, Northern Kentucky had them on the ropes for a little bit, but Houston was able to respond there. Marcus uh, Sizer did try to go, but then he uh, set out that game. In game two, he did come back, played a lot better there, and Houston was tested by Auburn but essentially was able to move on to so Houston is right where I thought they would be here in the Sweet 16 and still moving forward um Miami now I had Miami picked here to go to the Sweet 16 I think it's going to be tough for them based off what I saw thus far um I didn't I didn't like what I saw against Drake um really they were down in that basketball game I'm not sure quite how they advanced in that one um, again, you know, I, I think that this is one of the, the great things about the NCAA tournament is just kind of being able to kind of get your composure, kind of pull it together. We'll talk about that a little bit with what Xavier was able to do, but Miami was able to pull it out. And that's the key thing about that there. Um, you know, their star guard, I think he struggled for the most part in his first, uh, tournament play there. Um, in I think it's the kid's name is uh, yeah Isaiah Wong you know he kind of struggled in his first game there he had six rebounds two assists five points so I think that Drake did a good job and really taking him away but this is why it's a team basketball game or it's a team game in basketball and I think that that's what the key was for Miami to move forward now they do have a tough Indiana game here today I'm not sure if they're going to advance, man, because if they play the way that they played against Drake and they also don't get Isaiah Wong involved here, I think that they are going to get beat by a tough, physical Indiana team. And this is a four versus five seed, so you know it's already going to be a tough game as it is. Um, early, I, I had Miami picked in this one on my bracket but right now based off what I saw I mean things can change from day to day man I, I really like the way Indiana looked against Kent State in round one here winning 71-60 uh, another team that I had circled here in this particular region was Pittsburgh I like what coach Capel was able to do here Pittsburgh was a team that won the play-in I did have them advancing around here they're now going against Xavier and talk about Xavier what a scare, 72-67, uh, 
uh, almost getting beat here by uh, Kinsaw State or Kinsaw State there. And, you know, I love the press conference or the interview after the game when Coach Sean Miller was asked, how did you advance? And he said, I absolutely do not know. And I, I couldn't say true. I mean, truer words couldn't have been spoken there. I mean, when I looked at this game, I think that Kinshaw State did every, I mean, they did every, everything, everything, everything. I mean, everything to win this game on paper, should have won the game. And I think it just came down to the fact, man, that Xavier did a great job in keeping their composure. But what they did best is they played great defense for the last six or seven minutes. When you go back and you look at that tape of that game, you will see that not that Kenshaw got tight, but it got significantly harder for them to score on Xavier the last six or seven minutes of that game. And that was the difference because Kenshaw was up. And they were in that, they, they were right there where it was like, man, it, it might be a situation where they're going to beat Xavier by about 15 points or so. And because Xavier was able to lock them up and then they were able to start knocking down some three-point shots, uh, the basketball started to kind of bounce their way. That was the difference for Xavier, man. And I think at the end, I agree, I think, with, uh, you know, Clark Kellogg, and those guys after the, the game where they said, you know, Kinshaw State had a chance at, the, at winning that game or tying it up, but I think you have to go early. I think they were in a situation with about six, seven seconds to go, and the guy had gotten downhill, but I think he had, had went into, he got too late, and essentially by then what it caused was Kinshaw had to take a half-court shot by the time they got the ball back. So what we're trying to put out there is that when you go early with six or seven seconds left you're either going to get a foul you're going to get the basket or you could get an offensive rebound and get another chance at the basket or you might be able to play the foul game but if you go late and you don't run the play early and attack the basket early you essentially shorten the game for yourself and it makes it tough for you to actually win that basketball game because you've lost the possession there. So I think that's the only thing that I would take away from that. Uh, but honestly speaking, man, I, I think that, you know, Kenshaw State should be very proud of this. If you go back and you look at the game and you just listen to the guys who talked about the game, Charles Barkley and those guys, they said that this university went from one win four years ago to now being in the NCAA tournament. And I will say this about uh, Coach Raheem. I got a chance to see his brother play in the NBA, um, you know, who was a terrific player for the Vancouver Grizzlies uh, and certainly one of the, the better players, I think, in the league. And he's one of the reasons why, you know, big men are able to step out and shoot three-pointers because he was so good at it. This is a guy that's a winning coach. I mean, I feel like if he comes into your house and he's recruiting, this guy is a guy you go with, and I'm pretty sure, I love what he said after the game, that Kenshaw State will be there, uh, I, I think, in the future. This is a program that is up and coming. They will absolutely be there. Uh, another team that has, has basically proven that they are who they are is Texas. Texas has rolled by Colgate. They rolled by a tough Penn State team as well. 
and they are now in the Sweet 16 here. I love the fact that they are playing very well. I had Texas meeting Houston here. They are now in the Sweet 16 here. So Texas is another team that I think has played up to their ability here, and I think that they're getting even better here. Um, next up here, we go to the East region, and probably, I would say, uh, not probably, is the upset of the tournament here. And that was FDU knocking off Purdue. And the one thing that I will say about this game is that you had the shortest team in the NCAA. I think their average height is maybe 6'2", 6'3". Taking down the tallest basketball team in all of D1, Purdue. And I'm watching this thing, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. Um, I love what the Knights were able to do to Purdue, winning 63-58 to 58 in this one. And if you have not got a chance to definitely see this team play, they're playing here tonight at 7.45 p.m. This team plays with a lot of energy. They play with a lot of passion. They play with a lot of belief. The head coach is absolutely terrific when it comes to sound bites here. But let's look at what they were able to do to Purdue, man. Like, first and foremost, they made it tough on Zach Eady. Zach Eady is 7'2, guys. If you have not got a chance to see this young man play, he probably will be the consensus player of the year. But for the last six or seven minutes of the basketball game, I don't think he got a shot off. And he had 21, 15, and three. But man, the Knights were all over him. I mean, they fronted him. They were throwing, uh, they were, they were, the backside help was beautiful defensively. I mean, even when Purdue would come and throw that over the top, he would be immediately swarmed, and I love the fact that their rotations were so beautiful in this one that even when they were caught inside, it seemed to be that the next man up was there for the rotation, and I think that they did an outstanding job taking him away late in the game. Next up, if you listen to some of the commentary, because there's, there's time times and games that if you listen to it, you'll hear hot mics. And some of the hot mics are things that, let, let me just say this, you, you, they're, they're not PG-13. And when I listen to the Knights after one of the block shots, I'm like, wow, the swagger, the confidence, the belief. I'm like, man, they look like, and they were speaking as if they were a number one seed in the tournament. And I was like, Ooh, right then and there, that was the difference for me. Never mind the fact that the balls start bouncing the opposite way for Purdue, but the fact that they had that type of swagger there late, I thought that that was incredible, incredible. And then how about the gutsy performance there, um, you know, from one of their senior forwards? I think he was coming in averaging like maybe, you know, four or five points a game, um, you know, playing in front of the hometown and everything like that. And I believe he was shooting maybe 28% from downtown, but with the game on the line, they actually ran the play for him and he knocked down the three-pointer, which essentially iced it. But Purdue was so shook at the end of this one, the guys did not want to shoot the basketball. It was, I mean, it was incredible. I was like, man, 
I have never seen a team just not only physically get them, but psychologically, man, they just took it from Purdue. And I was like, man, I was I was very, very impressed with them. I'm looking forward to seeing these kids play again tonight. I think that this is going to be a great game. And I think they really have a legit chance against FSU or against FAU, who took down Memphis in a dramatic form here. But I think they got a chance, the 16th seed, to knock down the nine. I think they got a chance to see Tennessee in the Sweet 16. I really do. I really do. If they continue to defend that way, it's something about the defense, the energy of the basketball gods just seems to go your way. The momentum kind of goes your way. It was a lot of things that should have went Purdue's way, but because they had such intensity, energy, and intensity to detail, not only on the defensive end, but the offensive end, the break started to come their way. This is a team that's now playing with house money. I think FAU is really uh, could be in trouble here tonight. Uh, next up here, it, talking about the FAU, how about the fact that they knock off Memphis here? And I had Memphis advancing here. The one thing I didn't like about Memphis is just that, you know, their style of play sometimes gets frustrating. I, I mean, they can be up by, you know, 10, 15 points, but then they're back down when you turn around. They kind of almost remind me a lot of what Minnesota is like. And I'm referring to Minnesota last year in the playoffs mainly. They can be up in games and then they start to turn it over. They start to commit fouls. They start to give teams the other the chance to get back into the game. And I wasn't sure which Memphis team was going to show up. Was it going to be the Memphis team that knocked off Houston in the, the conference championship? Or was it going to be the team that we saw here down the stretch at the end? You know, where they got completely disorganized. They didn't even get a shot up at the end there, which was tough. And I will give it to them at the fact that they did lose one of their key players due to the fact that he did sprain his ankle there. I don't think it was a great look, the fact that they actually had got into a little bit of a, um, a uh, what do you call it, a, a, an in-game timeout spat there. That wasn't good. You know, I, I think it was Kendrick Davis there who twisted his ankle. Um, and then also, too, it really hurt Memphis the fact that DeAndre Williams, their star forward, who had 13-13, and 13, had foul trouble. I mean, it was a situation where he should have been out of the basketball game when he got his third foul. But when he got his third foul, I can just remember just, you know, listening to the commentary and just looking at this one. Immediately, I agreed here that they should have come and got him once he got his third because they kept him in and he got his fourth so early into the second half. He literally had to sit for about seven, eight, almost 10 minutes before he actually got back out there and that hurt Memphis. All the momentum went to Florida Atlantic, uh, the Florida Atlantic Owls here, and they were able to pull off the upset and get it done. Um, next up here in that particular region, I, I guess another kind of, I don't know if it's upset, but one of the, the teams that have actually surprised me thus far was Tennessee. I mean, they were a four seed. They just knocked off Duke here yesterday, but Tennessee, man, playing with a lot of good energy on both ends of the floor. I like the way that they're able to space you out. I have always liked Coach Barnes. Um, if you remember, Coach Barnes actually coached up Kevin Durant, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge in Texas. So he's a very good coach here. He's been here before. 
And they do a great job, man, of just kind of spacing you out, getting you downhill, and really attacking your bigs, man. They they are relentless at attacking your bigs and really attacking space there. I think that they did a terrific job with that uh, with Duke. And they were very physical with Duke. I mean, they did a terrific job in just beating up their bigs, man. And I think by the end, like a couple of those guys, man, had some bruised lips and stuff like that. I'm serious. Like if you go back and look at the broadcast, man, Tennessee plays a physical brand of basketball. I didn't think that they had it in them, but certainly I think this is a team that is really on the alert here as far as moving forward. Kentucky getting it done here. I did have Kentucky here in this one. I think that Kentucky's playing with a bit more house money. They don't have a top seed. They do have Kansas State here tonight. I think that this is a good one for Kentucky. The one thing that I love about Kentucky is they have they have a big man that has the ability to rebound at a high, high level. I always love teams that rebound well. If you can rebound well, that means that you are giving the other team one less opportunity to shoot the basketball and you are giving your team one more opportunity to shoot the basketball which they say percentage wise your percentages go up to score if your percentages are higher to score I always love that Kentucky has that ability Michigan State uh, getting into the round of 32 uh, over USC here um, and Marquette advancing so I actually, I love Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State. I love Michigan State. I love Tom Izzo. However, it was tough for me, man, because I've watched USC. I had USC actually winning this one. I, I, I hate to say that. I did have USC winning this one, but Michigan State doing what they do, man, with Tom Izzo. You know, they do a great job in defending, but they do a great job in knocking down shots. And that's one thing that Michigan State can really hold their their head on, man, is that they shoot the ball exceptionally well. And as long as Michigan State is is knocking down three-point shots and they're defending the way that they showed here in round one, they have a legit chance to advance as well because Michigan State is probably, I think, one of the more physical basketball teams that you can play against out there. They're very, very physical. I believe they play in the Big Ten, and that is a physical brand of basketball. And like I said, they did a great job there and knocking down some shots here. You look at Tyson Walker. uh, He had 12. Um, You look at um, Hogard. He played well. I've I've got a chance to look at some of his games. He could shoot the ball very well. He had 11. You had Jaden Atkins knocking down shots as well. He had 12. And then their stud, Joey Hauser, had 17 as well. So if they could continue to get Hauser involved, and he also had eight rebounds as well, you look, I just went through just what they have from a scoring standpoint. You have four, five, six guys that are in double figures. This reminds me a lot of what Princeton is doing to people. They're just carving them up. On the other side of things, let's look at the West Division, which is the last division here. And my thoughts thus far, probably a shocker here for everybody. And I know this, I, I, I've, I've, I've talked to some people that had Kansas actually going pretty far and actually possibly winning this thing. And I thought that Kansas, aside from Alabama, was probably maybe the third best team out there. And the fact that they were knocked off by Arkansas yesterday, that was tough because Arkansas did a great job to me 
and this is almost kind of like I've, I've said it before here just moments ago, but Arkansas did a really, really great job in getting to the paint. Their guards were just unstoppable. Like, it was unreal how they were carving Kansas up inside. Kansas could not get a stop. It was almost like Arkansas was running at another gear at Kansas on the offensive end. And even when they missed the shot, they did a terrific job in knocking shots back to themselves. Ricky uh, Consul, terrific. And I'm talking about, he was the main catalyst here. He played all 40 minutes, 21 points, six rebounds, four assists. They could not stop him. Between him and Devontae Davis, the 25 and 8, these guys lived in Kansas' paint all day long. And the one thing that I will say about Kansas, they did play good enough to advance, but their last two or three minutes might have been some of their worst basketball of the season. When you let somebody that basically shoots the ball from the free throw line and then gets a chance to base, well, he didn't get a chance. He got the basketball back, got fouled, and got back to the line. That really told the story. Where Arkansas essentially just wore Kansas down. And just mentally at the end where you've got to just be just that much more tougher and fight through the fatigue, Arkansas was able to do that. And not to take away anything too it's not surprising that they play this fast and this hard because when you look at coach Musselman who I have got a chance to watch him coach now uh, he did this with Nevada right they were very good he took that program to another level he moved on to Arkansas let us not forget that he also coached Golden State and Golden State he almost he almost was like kind of the architect of what we see now with that whole, uh, you know, using the guard, small ball, kind of uh, driving into the paint and attacking you that way. I think that on those teams that he coached, he might have had the chance to coach Baron Davis, Gilbert Arenas. Uh, I think he coached Monte Ellis. And I think you can see a lot of those aspects in the Arkansas Razorbacks, man. Like his teams play, they play fast. They play hard, and they're fearless, man. And that's the one thing that I can remember him coaching up in the NBA. That I think he got a lot of that uh, and bottled that up and brought it to the college game. So kudos to Arkansas here. I know they didn't have Bill Self here, but I don't know if that necessarily mattered too much, man, because Arkansas was just the better team here. St. Mary's, uh, I didn't have them picked here to get this far in the round of 32. They are playing a tough UConn team. They are the fifth seed. I think they have a real chance to be in the Sweet 16. The one thing that I will say about the St. Mary's is that St. Mary's, you probably don't know about them because they play uh, the number two team um, in the conference with Gonzaga because Gonzaga is so good. They get all the praise and everything. But make no mistake about it. St. Mary's is almost like that team that you see in the NBA that has climbed up the ranks and now everybody's talking about them. You're going to start to see these guys start to advance here. I know they have not been to the Sweet 16 since 2010. I think Matthew Della Dova was on that team. Um, 
you know, I know they do a great job with the international recruiting here at St. Mary's. This team is tough. They're long, and they play extremely hard on the defensive end here. I think they have a chance here against UConn's length here. You look at UConn, they were able to advance against Iona because they were able to own the boards. I don't think that that's going to be the case here against St. Mary. You're not going to come in and bully them. Promise you that. They play at 6'10". That's a game worth checking out. TCU Gonzaga. Um, I got the Gonzaga Zags going far here. Always love Mark Pugh here. I think that they're going to go as far as uh, Drew Timmy will take them here. Now, they do have a ton of shooters here around Timmy that if Timmy's not playing well, they can knock down shots. But the Zags don't like to play that way. They're not constructed that way. They're constructed more to play inside here. I think that they will have an advantage there with TCU. However, <coughs> TCU plays very hard. They have scrappy guards that love to get out and run. And they're a team that shoots the ball extremely well. So it's one of those things where I'm not sure who's going to dictate the tempo, but that's what this game is going to be all about. So far, Gonzaga has been the part knocking down Grand Canyon. Um, can they complete the the continued run here and get to the Sweet 16 against uh, UCLA, who is a team that I have picked going to the championship game, um, have got a chance to watch Jaime Jaquez Jr. play in person at the Drew League. Loved the way he responded there. Uh, had a fan out there that was talking a bunch of, of trash to him. The kid just simply smiles at him, points at his jersey. It was like, you're talking to me. And he quietly goes out there, scores 14, has double digits and rebounds. I'm like, he is a guy I would love to play basketball with, a guy I would love to have on my team here. And couldn't think of any better leader here for UCLA to go along with uh, Tiger Campbell, who played exceptionally well here last night. Went 12 of 12 from the free throw line. They did a great job in, in locking down Northwestern. I know that UCLA had some injuries going into this one. That's why I slightly had Alabama if they were to get into the championship here. But make no mistake about it, Nick Cronin has UCLA playing at a high level. Not surprised at all that they're in the Sweet 16. Clearly expect for them to advance here. Even against a tough Zags team or TCU team, UCLA has all the makings to do this thing because this is a team that has stayed together minus Johnny Jusang, who is playing for the Utah Jazz here. Excellent shooter, by the way. I think UCLA has a really good chance, man. This is the first chance they've had since 1995 to get this thing done. So I think UCLA is somebody you might want to take a look at here. And so with that being said, guys, I have uh, talked about each uh, each zone here within the uh, tournament here. It has been exciting here. Great brand of basketball. I think one of the toughest things to watch is when these kids get beat and you see the tears here. I certainly have been there before being a college athlete. It is very hard when you are at the end of the line of your college career, um, no matter how much you loved it or how much you're looking for the next level it is something about the camaraderie that you have with your coaches your teammates and that all comes to an end and so I definitely want to highlight each and every team that has taken the loss out there um, I know it's tough 
competed well. I know those programs come back. I hope that these players are able to continue on with their career. Um, I know that there's always other leagues, which is great about the uh, basketball is that you can play, you know, overseas and things like that. It doesn't have to be in the NBA, but um, man, it's tough, man. It's so many great players and teams out there that you wish they could advance on, but uh, you know, a tough one there and a salute uh, to the teams that have lost here. So with that being said, I want to go ahead and thank Anchor for being our platform. I want to thank the sponsors out there for putting sponsorship on the show. And I just want to say, guys, to stick with us here, we do have a a YouTube podcast now that is out there that is going to be a show here that does drop today here. Um, You can check us out at Real Talk Sports with Rico on YouTube. That is how you will be able to see the video podcast. We have three episodes up thus far. Uh, There's 196, now 197 episodes here, which you can find on Spotify podcast, guys. And so for myself, Rico, we will see you here on the next show as we will be talking a little bit more NCAA basketball here. Want to dive into some uh, NFL free agency here, guys, as believe it or not, the NFL draft is just a couple weeks away. All right, guys, see you on the next show.